Don't worry about the weight on the working man. Your white eyebrow won't shake your hand. TV doesn't go. Hey guys, what's going on? We are rocking it today. What is going on, everybody? We have Chris DeSanto in. What are you doing, buddy? What's going on? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Uh, and yeah. you probably noticed that there is, we have changed the name and we've added a co host. Gary, what's going on, buddy? What's up? Let me put my jacket on and get my shirt covered up. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Yeah. We have Tasty Licks, the brand new music, dessert, all things music and food coming to you. Right? Yeah. Right. We have and of course, difficulties. Green screen was messing up. <laughs> we had slight technical difficulties today, but we also have James, the bearded metal chef. What's going on, buddy? What up? What is going on? And so just to let everybody know, this is a percussionist or a drummer. What are you, what are you, what is your moniker in life? I, I pretty much just go with drummer. <laughs> I can play the conga, be, but I'm not, I don't have like the chimes and stuff. And you know, so I, <laughs> let's go with drummer. Right on, man. Right on. So you are in the punk band my life in black and white what an amazing band um i chef and i'm sure that gary have been listening to you all day long absolutely amazing brings me back to the 80s punk music (laughs) absolutely amazing great stuff um for the viewers they were the intro song the my life in black and white that was their working man song one of my favorite songs thanks yeah, it's just amazingly good. Uh, talented, talented. Go check them out. Uh, we definitely are happy to have you on, Chris. So how are you doing? What's going on? What's new? Good. Just, uh, you know, doing this, this, the living the COVID life like everybody else is right now. So right. Uh, honestly, I haven't even played my drums in about 15 months haven't oh my seen my band members or had a practice. Uh, our last show was December of 2019. Oh my goodness, man! That's yeah. craziness. It's thought awful. about doing like have you thought about doing like live shows like online or whatever? Or kind, we, kind of keep things going. Or? To do some of that kind of stuff, but like it was. I, I think that that our singer. So for those of you that don't know, so we have three guitar players. So our singer plays acoustic. We have an electric rhythm and we have an electric lead guitarist, right? Then obviously bass and drums. So our right. singer, uh, I think he's done a, a little bit of acoustic stuff, uh, you know, here and there and posted some things. But we, we've we talked about wanting to do some of that live stuff and it just ended up not really working out very well for us, just timing wise. Also, I mean, I live in a house, but. I remember being a kid and playing drums and, and having the cops called on me. And I'm like, I don't really want to be. <laughs> you don't want that. And, and like now as like a parent and an adult, I'd be like, if my neighbor was a drummer, I'd be pissed, even though I play drums. So I was like, I don't want to be the guy like banging his drums in his garage. And like, well, in order to do a live show where you're all plugged in, you really need to have it 
from a venue with a big really distorted anyway so yeah you know, right. to acoustic yeah we just didn't have the opportunity to like try to make it all work together um i mean true you know kind of a, off the subject just a little bit is that like my one of my guitar players he has like an autoimmune disease and so does his wife and so there was the, a real concern in the very beginning with the covid thing of like we can't we cannot risk him getting sick or anything like that and it was just kind of like everybody was trying to be i mean everybody has their own opinions on that kind of stuff and especially now that we're all getting super super sick of the whole thing but luckily as of right now everybody in the band's been vaccinated except for myself but i get my first vaccine on tuesday and really that just means that we're that much closer to being able to actually get together so we're planning on uh, I would go. say probably in the next month of actually getting back together. You can see my drums, like, let's see, right back there, kind of just yeah. stuck out right there. <laughs> I pulled them out because I was just like, okay, I, I just, I, I needed to see them. I was like, yeah, I'm going to play these, man. So, but, Before uh, COVID hit, you actually had a new album finished and an album release planned, correct? Yep. So we... So we record and do everything ourselves, right? So my lead guitar player, uh, his name is John Burbank. He does studio work for other musicians as well. And he's done this for years and years and years. And ever since the inception of the band, which was in 2005, um, I think this was even before John was even in the band. Um, he was doing recordings and stuff for them and then eventually ended up joining the band. And like you guys know, band-wise, there's rotating members throughout the years, you know, like, especially when you start a band in like high school and college and this right. guy quits, this guy moves away, a guy gets married. I mean, that just happens. So I'm, I'm not the original drummer, but to get back to your, your point, Gary, uh, we recorded the fifth album that the band has done. It was the second album that I've been on. It's called Built for This. So we get yep. in the studio, we're writing the songs. We The studio that we have is actually at our guitar player's house. He's got kind of this old uh outbuilding that he converted into um a studio and that's where we practice and that's where we record and all that stuff so we went through we didn't know this was going to happen right so we're like hey we're coming out with a new record and it's been like four or five years since our last one and um had an album release show and we had shows booked up and we got pressings for the albums and merch and all this stuff and then covid hit like i think it was like a couple weeks after the release of the record and it just wow. no more venues, no shows. We had to cancel all of our shows, and that's it. And that, I mean, yeah, uh, it's it's been uh, it's been rough. Yeah, that's it's been like that for uh, so many people. And I've talked to I've talked to a lot of musicians that this is you know this is their livelihood. And being able to not go out on the road and trying to do makeshift what Gary's talking about, even getting a venue to open up to be able to do that yeah. is huge. So being able to do it in this time where just nothing's open, bars aren't even open, um, just starting to open up. So what's your plans going forward? Because it's about ready to go boom. I can yeah, tell that there's I, a I lot of people. Like we're We're getting to the point now where everybody's feeling safe, you know, and, and not, okay. and that's not even just the band. That's like just the, the population, right? Bars, venues, people wanting to go to shows. I mean, that's something you have to think about too. It's like, okay, the bar yeah. is open and the band is comfortable being in a band again and playing shows, but are people going to come? You know what I mean? So for right. now 
we're going to, I mean, we, we've just missed the camaraderie of even just being around each other, let alone playing music, you know, and, and it's one thing like to sit at home and play on your guitar, which I, I do a little bit, but it's like, I want to, I want to beat the hell out of my drums, man. And I want to play some punk rock music with my band. Like it's not the same. And even if I venues will be like where it's at come going yeah, forward. Exactly. So the yeah. plan is like, obviously we hope that we can get back together. We can start practicing again, get our chops back a little bit, knock off some of the rust. And then it's like, let's start playing shows again. You know what I mean? And that's, it's, right. and, it, and only, there's only so much of it that's up to us. We have to just play it by ear like we've been doing this whole time, but at least we can start getting back to being ready to play shows again. And we'll probably be there before you're going to see the floodgates open where all the bars and all the venues are open and everybody's comfortable going out, but we got to start somewhere. So we're, we're hopeful that that's going to happen. I, I mean, hopefully like in the summertime, you know, which is coming up soon. So yeah, yeah, I'm starting oh, yeah. to see like, a lot of bands putting out like uh, tour dates and, and stuff like that for shows and stuff like that. And yeah. first, I, I do love and like like outdoor venues, like amphitheaters and stuff like that. Sure, it kind of sure. gives it more like acoustically, kind of like or more sound like you know, it brings more sound out to me. A so, little yeah, bit the band. I'm sorry, Dean. Um, no, you're good. You're good. Now, my life in black and white has been in existence for at least what 15 years, I believe. 2005, yeah. So, yeah. was it 16 years now? Yeah. You've been with about seven, correct? I've been in the band for nine years, since nine years. 2012. So, how did you become the new drummer for My Life in Black and White? And where were they at before you entered the, the, the band? So, when the band started, um, it was when uh, guys were in college together, you know, like it, it uh, and we're, we're all from the Portland, Oregon area. So they were going to Oregon state together. And so oddly enough, the rhythm guitar player, Andrew, he's been my best friend since high school. So we played in bands together when we were younger and I knew, uh, you know, I knew John, the lead guitar player. I knew Dylan. I knew all the guys in the band, but especially being a drummer, bands like i said they come and go you're in one band with these guys and then you leave and you start another band with one of those guys and two other guys i mean it just that's just kind of how it works especially when you're younger so that band started off with with you know guys that only only two original members are in the band you know from back in the you know 16 years ago um and that's dylan who's the singer and basically the guy that writes the songs you know he brings the he brings the bones of the songs and we we put all this stuff together but he's, he's a great voice too. His vocals are amazing. Oh, absolutely. So I'm not going to tell him you said that though. I'll just blow up. I'm just kidding. I'll be like, don't, don't tell him that. Just don't just, just keep that between us. So I'll return your favor. Anyway. So yeah, those guys, they started a band just like out of college and it was really, it was like, an, if you go back and listen to the, some of the old stuff, you can see how the band has evolved and any band that's been together for 16 years is going to change. I mean, especially when you have new members and stuff that add their input and the type of stuff that they like to play. So they were kind of like, a, you know, Irish drinking kind of almost piratey folky punk rock. Like let's go to the bar, let's drink some whiskey, let's have a good time. And we still have part of that essence in our band now, but, but you got to think in 16 years, every guy in our band is married and three out of the five guys have kids. Yeah. And so oh, wow. things change when you're married and you have kids and you're 40. The band evolves as your life evolves. Exactly. I mean, right, right. The, things you, the things you, 
what what you care about when you're 20 is getting you know drunk with your buddies and having a good time and partying and what you care about when you're 35 or 40 is your family and so you can tell if you look at listen to the songs and listen to the lyrics and stuff that things change we write songs about you know like like lost and songs about our kids and um, right. how hard it is to like go on the road and leave your family behind. Whereas when you did that, when you were younger, you didn't care because you didn't really have anything to leave behind. So it didn't really matter. So things like that, you know, not only with the members, but with the songwriting, obviously involve, you know, evolve as well. But the original drummer's name is Cody. Uh, they had some other guys here and there, but they really got kind of the base of the, of the band together a couple years after the band started. And um, the old drummer's name was Cody. Um, I'm still friends with them. We're all still friends. And uh, he, he ended up, you know, at one point quitting the band. And then I kind of filled in for a little bit. And then he broke his leg. And so they asked me to fill in because I had done that in the past. So I filled in and that was in like 2010 or so. And then he uh, got back in the band and then he decided to quit again. And he was just like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And they wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt the first time that yeah. he wanted to come back in the band. Cause he was an original member. And then the second right. time it was just kind of like, all right, dude, if you're going to quit, then we're going to move on and, and find somebody else. And then that was, they just called me up because they knew me. Like I said, I've known all those guys for years and they were just like, Hey, do you want to fill in and, and be the drummer? And at that time, the band was on a hiatus for like a couple of years. So from like 2010 to 2012, like late 2012, they weren't doing anything. Like there was, was no pre-Capital pre Records, correct? So we weren't on Capital. I don't know if there was something on the... On the one of the albums that says Capital. That's probably where I got... I don't know. If it, you have to look into that. I don't know if... Uh, I don't know about that. But yeah. we'll, well, I'll look... I'll Maybe I know something. You did not that I know of, but they've been, they, we, I mean, we have a label now um, and our label is based out of, out of Germany. So it's really like not even a, it's not, you know, it's more of a, a, a distribution happens. So basically that, that record Columbia is the first record that I play drums on. And that was kind of a let's get, um, and that's what Working Man is from, is from Columbia. And that record was released in 2014. So we wanted to just, we just wanted to play music again. Like the band wanted to get back together again. I wasn't going to just join the band for nothing. Like if you want me to be in the band, let's go, let's do something. So right. we start, we start writing some new songs. I start learning the old songs and then we kind of just decided let's have like a, a comeback show kind of a thing. Like, Hey, we're still here. And we did. And then we started to kind of feel that people were still interested in listening to our music. And so we're like, let's write a new record. And this is going to be, and since then, since 2012, since I joined the band and our bass player, Mole, has been in the band, that's been the lineup the entire time. So everything that's been recorded up into that point is all the same five guys. So, I mean, you know, I think at this point, the, the lineup in the band now has been the lineup longer than it hasn't been the lineup, right? Yeah. You know, oh, so nice. at this point, this is the band, right? And so right. we came out with Columbia. And then uh, we have, you know, friends that play in different bands uh, that are on like fat records and stuff like that. And so we've been playing shows with uh, one of our, our good friends, our, our band called Get Dead. They're on fat records and uh, they played a show with us in Portland and they had just got back from a European tour. 
they had a, a, a fill-in bass player. Their bass player is a teacher. So he's like, I can't, I can't, I got to teach. I can't go on this tour. So they get this guy uh, who plays bass to fill in for him. And he played a show with us. And he was like, hey, I, I want to introduce you guys to this label and distribution company called Gunner Records in Germany. And, you know, we're like, eh, you know, whatever. I mean, especially like, you know, you hear that. I've heard all that. I've been on a bunch of labels, you know, for and, and, thing, and I didn't really know anything about them. And, and you just kind of take that stuff with a grain of salt, especially like the older you get. You just kind of if cool things come across now for us, that's great. But we're not we're not sacrificing a bunch of stuff to try to be rock stars. I mean, that's like way in the past for us. So right. when we came out with that record in 2014 and we're playing more consistent shows. That guy from Germany said, Hey, let me hook you up with this label. And like the next day, this dude calls us and is like, Hey, I want to put out your record here in Europe. And I want you guys to come out here and tour. And so we were, and I mean, none of us had ever even been to Europe to do anything like that before. Never got, I mean, we've been on tour before, but it's West Coast tours or, you know, just US, US tours and stuff. We had never done like a, a European tour before. And we had toured, I've toured in different bands before and the other guys have toured in different bands all over the country, but nothing like being able to go to Europe. And so we went out there in 2014 for, or it might've been 2015 um for like three weeks and we went to like just a handful of different countries and played in germany and you nice. know just a bunch of different places and uh and that was pretty sweet so we got to do that and come back and and then we just you know play play a lot of local shows and stuff like i said i mean you know a lot of the guy being you know older guys now with families and stuff like that you only get a certain amount of time to be able to to get you know and we all have regular jobs right so it's like you have to try to balance your work life, your home life, and then the band as well too. But we play a lot of shows in Tacoma and Seattle as well. And we actually, I think, have almost a, a bigger following in Tacoma and Seattle maybe than we do in Portland, and maybe just because they don't get to see us as often as people do. Oregon-based band, right? Yeah, we're based at Portland, but you know, um, Seattle's yeah. like only a few hours away, right? So we can drive up there, play a show, and come back. Tacoma is even closer. So it's Tacoma and then Seattle. And those are two big cities in Washington. So we, we Portland. what's that? It's a pretty good. And I don't mean to interrupt. You're probably longer winded than I am, which is very hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> so we can get things. So apologize if I interrupt, but um, the Pacific Northwest is a very good region for the style of music. And I know you mentioned yeah. kind of the piratey thing. I, I liken the, the music to more of like a cross between social distortion and dropkick Murphy's. Like it's kind of like a boy. Yeah, I, I interpret it, but you're in a good region for that style of music though. I think so. Yeah. And that's a, that's, those are two bands that are very common that people compare us to dropkick, flogging, flogging, Molly. Mary, flogging, Molly. Yeah. Molly, yeah, Molly. Flogging Mary. Mary. I don't think like. I want to plug Mary. She get pissed. Don't plug Mary. <laughs> I knew it was an M. I knew it was an M. I knew it started with an M, though. So yeah, uh, I, I yeah, I think so too. And and you know, California is the same way. And we'll go down there and play some shows and stuff if we if we can and if uh, if if it works out for us. But I think this area is good for for that kind of stuff. It seems to be so far. It's worked out for us, us this long. So. Yeah, for what I've listened to, like I said, I've listened to it for the past couple of days, especially today at work. Um, and I get like the, it's like a energetic kind of flow. You know what I'm saying? It's like you want to just keep doing stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, even just listening to it, it kind of gets you going. 
So I see why like Gary listens to it because he's making product or whatever. So it's like gets him going. You know what I'm saying? So it just yeah. you constantly want to move, 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 move. So I mean, it that's what that's what I like about it. That's awesome. Yeah, it shows when we play shows too. I mean, like I I'm sitting back there playing drums and I'm watching people like still moshing and stuff to our music. And I'm yeah. like, if I did that, I'd, I'd break a hip and pull, <laughs> pull a hamstring. And it's like, these guys still, still out there, you know, rocking out to our stuff. And so that's what makes us still want to be able to do that. You know, it's like at this stage, we've played music for so long um, that it's just, it's just cool that we still get to play together. We're still buddies. We get to play shows. We get to go on tour and do stuff like that. And it doesn't have to be all encompassing that that's everything that our lives will revolve around. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a luxury at, at our age yeah. to be able to do that kind of stuff still. Oh, for yeah. sure. Find your music. Like if, if I, if I just learned about my life in black and white, obviously I can't go to Sam Goody or tower records right now because they pretty much don't exist anymore. If I want to download your music, where would I go? Like, where do you guys platform that? Is, is there anything I could buy online? Yeah, so you can you can stream. We're on all of the different providers for music. So Apple, iTunes, uh, Amazon, Spotify, Bandcamp. So any of that, any of those platforms, um, you can go and listen to it for free on Spotify. If you want to support the band, you can go to Bandcamp and like buy our albums or buy stuff like that. And again, I mean, like we were going to have a lot more, uh, the ball was going to be rolling a lot more pre COVID. Cause it's like, we have a new record. We're going to have all these new merch. We're going to, you know, make sure that all the, the website and all that stuff. And then it all just kind of came crashing down and we're like, okay, let's just pump the brakes and, and just wait until this blows over and then we'll start to try to pick things back up again, which is right. what all the, all bands have had to do that. I mean, we, we have the luxury of not having this be like you said before, where this is people's livelihood, man. Like we know tons and tons of traveling musicians, whether it's solo artists or full on bands that just got completely screwed because of the pandemic. Right. So Right. Right. So we'll change kicks a little bit here. So who, what inspires you? So growing up, what music inspired you? And then what drummers or percussionists inspired you to keep doing what you're doing? That's a good question. Uh, I grew up listening to rock music. My parents listened to rock music. I listened to like 80s rock and stuff. My favorite band is the Beatles. It always has been. It always will be. I still listen to the Beatles. I love the Beatles. I always will. Um, I know that could be a cop-out answer, but it's the truth. My parents had a record player and a ton of records. We always listen to music. Um, and then like, as I got into caring about music and realizing that I was a musician, I started playing drums when I was 12 and I'm 38 now. So I've played for 26 years. So wow. when I was 12, I was, I started listening to like, I listened to like, um, so who was the relative that bought you the drum set to piss your parents off at 12? My parents yeah. did. So I started playing. So I started wow. playing guitar. So I got a guitar and I was like, I suck at this. Like, this is so hard. I, I suck at this. There was no YouTube or any of that stuff. This was like yeah. the early 90s, right? I'm like, I'm like, I know this, what you're talking about. This guy telling me what to do. And I have like this book and I'm like, dude, I'm not a guitarist. But I felt I, and this is the truth. I've always said this. I felt like I could play drums. I just felt like I had rhythm but it wasn't coming out in guitar. 
And so I, when I was younger in like elementary, middle school, I liked to snowboard and my parents were like, here's the deal. You can either snowboard or you can play drums, but you picked two very expensive hobbies and we're not going to pay for both. So you <laughs> what do you want to do? And like, I kept snowboarding and stuff just for fun and everything. But as far as drums go, my parents bought me a drum kit. And as soon as I set it up in our basement, I could play like five or six different beats, like right off the bat. For like right. first day I set it up and my parents were like, holy crap, like, he actually like has rhythm. He knows how to play drums. And that was, I mean, I literally have not stopped. This is the longest I've gone without playing drums ever. Like ever. I mean, I just, it's just crazy how long it's been since I played. But anyway, so when I started playing drums and I was getting out of the grunge phase, like we were all listening to Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and Nirvana, I found right, right. Green Day. I found Offspring. I found Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. I found like Less Than Jake, Rancid you know, Pennywise, Bad Religion, like all, so all of a sudden I'm like, I hear like a Green Day song and like, and like Gary said, like you could go to Sam Goody and there was like a punk or it'd be like, if you like this, you might like that. And at the time, like, I wouldn't even know who the band was, but I'm like, okay, this band, like if it says I like Pennywise, maybe I'll like this Bad Religion band. And I grabbed their, you know, their CD and I'm like, holy crap, like this, Okay, so then then I was just like, I'm I'm all about the punk rock from then on out, and that and right. that was a time period too where there was every summer there was huge festivals and tours. They get the tour. so that was the other thing. Warp tours. Yeah. I've been going to warp tours since like the mid to late '90s. I think my first warp tour was like 1997 or '98 or something like that. So and that's and that's, that's another thing. So you yeah you start like you know you go to one of those and you're going to listen to four bands and you walk away having four other favorite bands you never even heard of before. And that's how they're getting their name out there is they got picked up to do some work tour stuff. And so, yeah, all, all that kind of stuff. So as far as like, I just, I couldn't help but to want to play punk rock stuff. And I think, you know, like I said, being a snowboarder and skater and all that kind of stuff, it really, that was just the era back then. That was the, that was what was cool. That was what I was into. And so I, I just kind of stuck with that. I like metal too. Like I love metal. I have, when we get done with this, I'll send you guys a link to one of my old metal bands. So that'll really get you up and going. So I love double bass. I still play double bass a little bit in this band. Just a little That's bit. Cool. Um, right and so I'm, I'm a metal head too. So I love metal bands. I love like kill switch engage and you know, just, you I, I like a lot of different metal bands. So, um, so as far as like drummers go, I mean, when I was younger, like there, there's a, it, it depends on the genre, but if I'm just talking about specifically a drummer, like obviously Neil Peart is incredible, you know, rest in peace, sucks that he passed away recently, but, uh, but he's just an, an amazing drummer and percussionist. Um, a, a band that you might not think that is a band that I like is Dave Matthews band and Carter Beaufort, the oh. drummer for Dave Matthews band is one of the greatest drummers ever. He is yeah. unbelievable. Dave Matthews has a lot of great musicians. Ridiculous. Top oh, yeah. notch, top notch musicianship. So I don't like all their stuff. Um, I've been to a lot of Dave Matthews concerts and it was really what got me into it was, was Carter being such a great drummer. I mean, he's, you watch the guy live too. And it's just, he's, he's, he's one of those drummers that I'm like, I should just quit because there's no way that I'm ever going to be able to be, you know, like that. And it's, that's not even my style, but it, 
again, there's a difference between like appreciating a drummer who's like a really good punk drummer, like a Travis Barker, let's say, right? Who's awesome. And I love Travis. And then there's just being a drummer as a musician and listening to different drummers for just them being a percussionist and not necessarily caring about the band that they're in, you know? So there, there, I have a kind of an array of, of different drummers like that. But yeah, as far as like punk drummers go, I mean, Travis was like, you know, I started listening to Blink-182. They had an old original drummer, Scott, and then all of a sudden they got Travis and Travis was the drummer for the Aquabats. And I listened to, and I listened to, I I like ska music and stuff. So I listened to like a bunch of, you know, bands, like I said, less than Jake and, you know, like the pie tasters and all that kind of stuff. And so then I, I, they get this Travis guy in the band. I'm like, that dude was the drummer for the Aquabats, but he used to wear like a weird costume and stuff. Yeah, they were like the, yeah, like the mask, like super- superhero stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah. so I already knew who he was and I knew he was good because if you go back and listen to the Aquabats that Travis is drumming on, it's, it's fast paced stuff. And then after that, it was just like, and he's working with MGK right now. And, and his MGK yeah. album that he did all with Travis yeah. together, amazing. Yeah, and uh, he he's he works with a ton of different guys, and he's he's all over the map, you know. So yeah, there's there's a lot of different guys out there and stuff. But as far as like a punk drummer goes, I think I I definitely have always kind of admired what he does. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, so your parents actually bought you. See, that's the that's the whole thing. Is is that when your parents know that this is a passion for you, they help you out. So my first guitar was when I was fourteen. Um, before that, I got a hand me down clarinet and I played in band, but it just wasn't my thing. I played like to go to free football games. So yeah. <laughs> it was still cool. It was still cool, I and I, you that. know, I the same thing. Yeah, that's what you did it for. So I just like to get into football games. And, you know, it's still fun to play music. But guitar was my thing. And I remember when I got it, that was, it was seven, eight hours a day. You know, I wouldn't put it down. And uh, absolutely, you just know it's your thing when you get it. You know, it's just, just, you picked up the drums. It's just like, this has always been me. And it's always been something. Yeah. So that's a really cool. I love that about musicians. Now, when you're creating some of your own beats, um, what kind of goes into your mindset to be able to create a new song and kind of go along with, you know, are you are you playing off a you know, a riff or are you play? Are you just kind of creating your own style? Yeah, I would say so. With with my life in black and white, like for the most part. Our singer, Dylan, is the one who's writing the songs, right? So he's writing them with the expectation that when he's writing it acoustic, so he's sitting at home, he's maybe writing some lyrics down. Um, I'm not exactly sure his very beginning process exactly, but I'm sure he's got his guitar in his hand. He's coming up with a riff or he's got some lyrics or both and he's putting something together. He brings that to uh, to practice, right? I call that the bones of the song. He's like, here are the bones, right? Here's the chorus that I came up with. Here's, you know, the verse or whatever. And then really everyone in the band, and this isn't all bands. I've been in bands where it's like one dude pretty much writes the stuff, not necessarily for the drummer, but as far as like the chord structure and stuff goes. But in our band, I would say that pretty much everybody in their own way is a songwriter, right? So I like to consider myself an arranger. So I'm not writing the song because I'm not, I'm not coming forth with, chord progressions or the actual notation of the song 
but I, I might say, okay, let's, let's like maybe cut this part half time right here. Let's extend this. Let's not go into the chorus yet. How do we want to start the song? So I kind of like to, to mold it, kind of mold it to your style or mold it to where your beats are or whatever you're going to kind of make. So it depends on the feel of the song that Dylan comes up with. And then that being said too, with this band, there's always been kind of this a, um, a style, like you guys were saying. It's got that folky, punk, Americana kind of a, you know, uh, has a little bit of that drinking music. It has a little bit of that kind of shuffle, you know, beat to it and stuff like that. So I try to think, like, what works best for this band with with my style of drumming, depending on what the how the, the song is flowing. So right. I don't, I don't necessarily think about like my beats and stuff all that much. It's just kind of, I might try something like, okay, we're playing it fast. And I'm like, no, we either need to slow it down or let's try playing this in a different, you know, a different time, maybe changing the tempo a little bit, something along those lines, but really it's more of a natural feel. I mean, it just, whatever feels natural. And if you start rocking on something and it doesn't feel right, then maybe you try something different and change it up. Right on. Very cool. I got a question for you because most people in here, I mean, we got, there's one guy watching it who is a vocalist in a metal band on the East coast in New York, Ben Jammin reviews, amazing vocalist. If you're the, uh, Andy and James, I'll, I'll have to send you links to his stuff. But for sure. most, most of us don't know what it's like to perform in front of a crowd, whether it be five people, 5,000 people. Can you explain what it's like? When you had your very first live performance in an for an, not just like for your friends in the garage, but like an actual show where people were coming out to see you, how you felt then, and then how you felt for your last live performance is like, do you still feel the same? What's it like to sit there knowing people are waiting for you in that crowd, and do you have any kind of like fears? Is you are you sweating before you hit the first beat? I mean, like, take us through that experience. So playing live is the whole reason why you do it to me. So you, when I very first started playing, my very first show was a battle of the bands when I was in high school. So was I more nervous when I was like 14 or 15? Obviously. Yeah. Like, cause now you're playing in front of like kids you go to high school with and right. you're like playing, <laughs> like I, we played like Blink-182 covers and stuff. Like, <laughs> we had a couple of our own songs and stuff. And so, yeah, you're more nervous, you know, like you get, but I wouldn't say it's like, I don't get nervous anymore. I get like, um, like I'm ready. Like I'm ready to go. Like if we're at the show and it's hurry up and wait, like, Oh, you gotta, you gotta get to the door and load in at like five o'clock, but you're headlining. So you're not going to actually go on till 11 o'clock at night. It's like, I want to play, like, let's go, let's play, you know? So that waiting beforehand, you're just like, you're, you're just excited. Like you just, you want to play, you know? So, but that, that, whether it's a 30 minute set or however long, 45 minutes, an hour, however long your set is that whole time that you're playing, if people are rocking out and moshing and you know, you guys have listened to this. There's a lot of songs that you, there's gang vocals and stuff. And we have guys, you know, and, and, and fans that have listened to us for years they know all the words. And so it's like, I'm sitting back there playing a song that was written years and years ago. They know all the words. They're up at the front. They're wanting to sing in the mic and stuff. So it's like, that's what it's all about. Like that's what right. it makes it worth it. There are times where 
you're like, oh man, I got to like load up. I got to work today. I got to load up my gear. I got to like meet up with the dudes and drive out here to like play this show. Men and men. And we've all been guilty of being like, I don't even, you know, and kind of mopey about it. And as soon as you get on stage, it's like, this is why we do this every right. single time. It never has Better changed. Here. It's always been that way. And I, I always change based. Like there's some crowd that are just kind of sit there and just watch. Right. Like when I go right. to concerts, I just stand back and watch and let the crazies go in front of me and do what they're going to do. I like so to do I. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> if the crazier the crowd gets, is that kind of like gets you? Like, yeah, you just start maybe hitting a little harder. Yes. If the crowd is into it, yeah, I mean, absolutely. If you're playing in front of like nobody, and I'll, and I'll, the perfect example is like when we played that European tour, right? If you're playing like a Tuesday night in some Eastern German town that no one's ever heard of before, there were shows where we literally were like, how are we even going to make the money to like pay for the gas? That we, you know what I mean? I was like, there's like six dudes here and one of, them's our, one of them's our tour manager and the other ones are like the other band. Like this isn't even, we're not even, you know, but then you play a show on a weekend and there's, you know, hundreds of people, thousands of people. It just depends on what you're doing. But um, so I still enjoy it no matter what I'm in the zone, right? Like no matter what right. I'm in the zone, but yes, there's a big difference between, playing to five people who aren't paying attention and then playing a show where like you, like you said, Gary, like they're, they're paying and waiting to come see you, to sing your songs, to hear you play, you know, to, right. to compliment you about, you know, sounding good or that they're stoked to see you guys, or they haven't seen you in a few years. And I mean, all that kind of stuff. Like that's, that's to me, that's what it's all about. Now you said the word tour probably about a thousand times in the 41 minutes we've been talking. Nobody here, maybe with the exception of a couple guys in the chat, even know what it's like to be on a tour. What and I've seen one of your music videos was actually filmed from like the touring process. I think you guys are in the van. If I remember right, it's a larger van. You guys piled in. You're just filming as you are mm -hmm. traveling. Because um, there are look on YouTube, you'll see the videos of the band. Great videos. What's it like being cramped in the van with six other five other guys? which I'm sure days at a time are just driving to get to each destination. What's that experience like? For, uh, for someone who's never done that, other than road trips with mom and dad as a kid, we've never toured nothing. <laughs> it's like living in a one-bedroom apartment with, like, your six buddies or something like that, and it's stinky, and you know, <laughs> it, it, de it depends. It depends. So it depends on – like how much support you have while you're on the road. So let me just start off by saying, typically a band like us, we're a DIY band, man. We do it ourselves. We're not flying in a plane. We're not on a, a tour bus. We had a van and a trailer for a really long time. And that was how most of the tour was done. The European tour is different, right? Because you're not driving there. You have to fly there. So you're renting more like a sprinter van. And then the Sprinter van has a big open back in it, depending on what one you get. So you can actually put your gear and your, your luggage and stuff in the back of the van. And on that tour, we had a tour manager, right? So the cool thing about that tour is, and having a tour manager, is that he's, he's making sure we're getting paid. He's got the GPS going to make sure that he knows when the show starts and when we're supposed to be there. He's like the tour dad, right? He's like making sure that, that we're, we're doing, but we're responsible guys. So it's not that hard to keep us in, on, in line, but at the same time, it's nice having a tour manager, but um, 
it, you have to be able to get along with your band members. And there are definitely times where someone might get a little too drunk and might say something they regret, or you haven't really slept in a long time. So you're frustrated with somebody or it didn't really, it doesn't really happen with us all that much. I think the older you get, the more mature you get and the more you've done it, I think the more you understand how it works. And so you can be a little bit more, uh, go with the flow with certain things like that. But there are personalities, mine included, obviously, that can be difficult to deal with, you know, on a day, day in, day out basis. And I know who I am, you know, and, and all the other guys do too. So sometimes you just got to be like, for the rest of the day, I'm going to go over here and do my own thing. I'll see you guys at the club later tonight because I need some space and you need some space for me too. So, so Chad, Andy just highlighted Chad. Um, is a former, he's retired now, but a Canadian wrestler. He's in Canada and Saskatchewan. Um, so he's saying, so when you're on stage, just like what it takes to be a wrestler, you just go out there, tunnel vision, ready to perform, lights are on, you're just focused, ready to go. Yeah, so absolutely. Comparison, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, anytime you're doing any kind of a performance, if you're an actor in a play, if you're a wrestler, if you're a, you're playing a sport, you know, you're a basketball player, you're anytime you're performing your craft, what you love to do in front of people that are focused on you. Uh, I think that most people probably get that same, that same feeling. I think some people might get a little bit more apprehensive about it. Some people might get the butterfly, you know, thing going on, but most of the time, even when that happens, it goes away. Once you start playing, like once you get in that groove, you, like you said, tunnel vision's a great way to but say it. You're locked, in. you're locked in. Yeah. All right. So, Andy's named this show Tasty Licks. If most people don't know licks, if you're playing a lick on a guitar or something like that, so that's where licks come from. We're not talking about actually physically licking something. But it's <laughs> no. uh, beards and desserts, right? So we have James, who is an actual right. chef who makes amazing cookies, and I've been lucky enough to have some of his cookies. But on tour, I'm sure you don't have a guy named James sending you cookies. What's the food life like on tour? And what? what is something tasty that you would have on tour? Are you just eating like gas station hot dogs and hot pockets? This is a great, also, great also great um, with that with that name. Like I, cause I thought of that name. I was, I was going to work the other day, and I'm like, I'm just rattling my brain with names, and I'm like, licks. I'm like, tasty licks. I'm like, that's I'm like it can mean obviously food, and I can obviously mean you know guitar, you know guitar riff or whatever. And we're playing that, and I'm like. Oh, it works. <laughs> it's funny because it just—it's funny because it works. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta throw that out there. So it's, it's yeah, right so it, yeah, it was just like I kept laughing about it. When I first saw that, I was like, yeah, if they're gonna change it from beer to dessert, <laughs> now it's tasty things and it's music and dessert. I mean, yeah. it's the lollipop, you know, an ice right? cream cone. I mean, yeah, we'll yeah. be on desserts because you know, like James usually does make a dessert tonight. But I think talking like Andy and I have talked behind the scenes. Talking to the bands more than just about oh hey how'd yeah, you write a song like especially a touring band there's there's a lot that goes into it yeah and and people like to hear these things and we don't want to just ask you like okay how'd you write a song what's no, your favorite that's, right. that's right? a great question I love we want to know what are you putting in your mouth yeah especially exactly. that kid that's right what's the touring food of of you guys. So, choice, like, choice, like I said choice. before, when you ask the question about like how is it when you're on tour, uh, it's a when I say like tour support, 
that really is about like, it's kind of like a network, right? So like, I'll go back to, to the European thing again, because when you do something like that, you're, you're really hoping that like, there's a network of people that are like, okay, this band is coming to our, our state or our country. And there's places like you're staying with somebody at their house, or you might be staying in a hostel or you might. So sometimes there were situations where we were staying at people's houses and they were cooking us dinner and making us breakfast and stuff. And it was really awesome. Like it was super cool. And then there was days where I'm like, okay, we have to drive like eight hours to get to this next place by a certain time. And then after that show's over, we have to sleep and then get up and do that again or something like that. So we don't have like there was, and you're staying in like, I mean, dude, we've stayed in some great places. We've stayed in some just absolutely awful places. We'll tell you, leave the light on for you. And so as far as <laughs> goes, there's plenty of gas station, like I'm grabbing a bag of Funyuns. I'm going to grab like, this hot dog i'm gonna get you know whatever it is you know it's been there for seven hours you know something yeah so it depends on like how health conscious you are some guys in our band are much more health conscious than others i'm not the super health conscious one when it comes to some of that stuff the thing that was odd for us funny story uh in europe is that when they asked us in the beginning they'll say does anybody have any food allergies and and or are you vegan or gluten-free or anything and we were like no like we're good we eat meat we don't have any allergies we're all good so for the first week of tour every time we were getting hooked up with like a person who was letting us stay at their house or in europe things work a lot differently than they do in the united states a lot of times in europe the venue will find a place for you to stay and they will have food food for you at the club whether that means they got pizza for you or they made something for you or whatever in the States, it doesn't work that way. Like it just doesn't, the venues like you're playing, you're lucky that we're paying you Bye. like that's at least in my experience and in our experience, the European thing is more of a hospitality type of thing. So for the first week we're like, they're like, Oh, we made you this like veggie stew. And Oh, we made you these like veggie sandwiches and this and this. And I'm like, Where's the meat, man? Like, what the hell is going on? meat so in the fridge. <laughs> so we get to Slovenia, and we're staying with this with this girl, super sweet, punk rock chick, letting us stay at her house, and she makes us this, like, veggie dinner, and she goes, it's too bad that you guys are vegetarian, because, like, I really make these good. And we're like, wait a second. We're not vegetarian. What are you talking who said, about? Who said that? Who broke yeah, it like out? Like you're, we got your writer. You're writing a writer is like what like kind yeah. of like the bio. Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know. She's like, your writer says you guys are vegetarian. I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm like, no. We said that we, and so from then on out, the next morning, she's got like making bacon and eggs and all this stuff. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, I thought everybody was just like, I'm like, am I just weird? Like nobody around here everybody's like, like this is so bizarre but there was a there was a mistake in the fine print there and it got it got right well in the states unless you're a major act the venues yeah. aren't providing anything for you anyways and nope. most bands starting out or even like mid-level bands um well maybe not mid-level bands but maybe the lower level bands a lot of the venues or clubs require you that you only get paid on how many people you bring to the door so right. Some of them, like you got 100 tickets, you sell those 100 tickets, you get five bucks a ticket or whatever. Sometimes yeah, that's, that's true. That's why I would say in the beginning, like when you're a younger band, let's say you're like a high school band or a young band, right? And you're playing local shows, at least back in the day, 
uh, when I was, you know, 20 years ago, there was what we call pay to play. And yeah. that's where a venue's like, hey, you're a young band. No one knows who you are. I'm going to give you these tickets. They're $10 at the door or $8 if you sell the ticket. For every ticket that you sell, you get that extra two bucks per ticket or whatever. So now not only are you ensuring that you're, you're, you're excited, you get to play a show, you're a young band, but you might actually make a little bit of money. Being a right. band, a mid-level, low-level band, whatever you want to call us, we're still yeah. doing everything ourselves. Oh, no, you're, you're not low-level, brother. Well, no, definitely not low-level. We're not, we're not, uh, not going to do pay-to-play. We just don't do that. We yeah. have enough of a reputation now. We have, you know, we have enough of a, of a following to not have to do that anymore. But it is kind of the way that you get your, your foot in the door when you're a younger band. And there's nothing wrong with that if you just if you want to play shows. But as far as doing the tour, like let's say for the States, if we do a tour, it's like all on us. Like the European thing was like, we had a distribution company and we had a company who was a booking agency, right? So the booking agency is like, these are the dates you guys are going to come out. We got you this show, this show, this show. They help you with booking the hostels, with the hotels, like getting you meals. Like they do all that stuff. When we don't have that and we're doing it ourselves and we're doing it in the States, we're the ones booking the shows. We're the ones figuring out where we're going to stay. We have to make sure that we're being guaranteed from the vendors that are going to pay us enough money that we know that we have enough money for food, for gas, for long, you know, stuff like that. That's really interesting. You hear that noise? Somebody's broken oh. in on our stream. That's James. No, James. my mom. Oh, okay. He's talking <laughs> to those beard people again. So my, yeah, I've never really been in a band. Like, I've been in kind of bands, but nothing really big. But my brother-in-law is a pretty good musician in Arizona. And there's a few clubs that Andy would probably be familiar with in Arizona that are famous for the pay-to-play. Like, you had the Mason Jar. You had Big Fish Club. Um, uh, what else is there? Uh, Hollywood Alley. Um, you know, there's a lot of the pay-to-play. And that's how they, you know, because there's no risk for them. They're like, they're going to get the entertainment. And then the band's motivated to get people to watch them. So the clubs are making money basically with no effort at all. Yeah, it happens. It's unfortunate when, you know, they'll, some venues will say, if you don't sell X amount of tickets, there's not going to be a show or whatever. It doesn't really happen too often, especially if you have a handful of bands. You got, you know, it's not just, you know, you're going to watch four or five bands play. And the thing that kind of sucks now is before years ago it was like if you were the local band like for example before i was even in my life in black and white they were opening shows for like flogging molly and bands like that and stuff if you if you were the local band and you were known and you could bring an, an a local presence and then the the headlining bands that were on tour were obviously bringing the majority of the people you'd get to be the opener you know you might have you you, you got to know the club promoter and hey dude like we saw that so and so's coming into town we really want to play on this show and blah 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 i mean there's you know politics that go into that stuff but that was something that was feasible nowadays it's like this band's on tour they're taking these couple bands with them and that's it and those are the three bands that are playing there's not a local opener the local opener thing 
was just huge because not only did it help get your name out there, because now you've got a bunch of fans watching a band that you kind of sound like that they'd probably be interested in getting your name out there. And you also got to play with bands that you love, which was awesome. And I've been, and all of us in this band and in other bands we've been in have been lucky enough to play with a lot of cool bands that we really liked. And some of the old punk bands I played with, like Taking Back Sunday, I played with Finch, I played with Plain White Tees, I played with, you know, tons of different bands. And so that's just, what's that? All great bands, yeah. Love those yeah, guys. it just doesn't exist. I like playing white tees. Changed, like it, it's just changed, and uh, and we we like doing everything ourselves because you're in control of of your own destiny that way. But it's difficult. Like it's it's not. Most music not is done. DIY these days, especially in the hip hop industry. A lot of them just with the equipment and the, and the systems that are available just on your computer. A lot of these guys are doing themselves anyway. So the big right. big industry music. It's kind of going away, and I think a lot of emphasis is more on those who bust their ass. I mean, and like your band, self promotion, DIY things you can cut out the expenses and do everything yourself. I mean, and I I just think you're more likely to succeed if your success is based on you and not somebody else. I mean, absolutely, and I think most most bands would agree with that too. If you get lucky enough to be discovered you know, or whatever it is, and that happens, awesome, good for you. People can be, you know, use the term, you're a sellout. It's like, do you want to be a musician or not? So I just always tell people, if you think you're a sellout, Real Big Fish wrote a song about that. Go listen to it and you'll be all right. (laughs) So it's like, (laughs) uh, yeah, you know, bands have gotten screwed. The thing is, the internet age technology, like you were talking about, and even with this pandemic, if you take that away, if you take away live shows and the ability for people to perform and go see a performance, mm-hmm. musicians and fans are going to figure something out. And they did, whether it's like you guys said, like, I don't know if you guys saw this, Dropkick Murphys. Now, they're a much bigger band, right? They're a really popular oh, yeah. band. They rented out a club and did a live show thing. And it was awesome. They did it in the, the baseball field in Boston. They were the sick. whole of course, thing. Yeah, of course it was in Boston. It's, it was the shit. It was awesome. And so they, like, like we don't have the capability of doing that, right? But, but they do. And just things like that. Or just all the way down to, like, you know, a, a, a performance in your living room and you're doing a live stream or something on, on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or whatever. Like, there's going to be a way to be able to figure something out. So even after like this, whatever the new normal is, once the pandemic seems to, we can kind of get back to whatever that new normal is. um, Things are probably going to change a little bit from like they always do and evolve from a music industry standpoint and people still doing things on their own or, or doing, you know, things differently than they did before. Yeah, I think so. So the whole like, Oh, I'm in a band. We got signed. I think it's lost its luster since the like social media has become a very prominent yeah. part. Yeah. Before when the internet really wasn't there and social media, like every band they don't want to get because getting discovered and signed was harder to do. Yes. But make, being signed and, and making an album that the money's not in the album or being signed. The money's in pouring and your merch. That's where you're making your money, correct? Yeah. I mean, it depends on how big you are, but if you're like a band that's trying to do it on your own, and you don't have like a big label backing you, you might be on like a relatively decent label who helps with distribution of your records. They might help with tour support, with 
doing the booking and all that kind of stuff, making sure that you're getting good guarantees every night so you know how much money you're going to be bringing in so you can feel comfortable while you're out on the road. But if you, but other than that, yeah, it's pretty much like you're, you're doing it on your own. Like back in the day when I was trying, like I quit my job, I sold everything I owned. I was in this band that was on a label. We were going to play work tour. We literally, I sacrificed everything that I had. And the only type of like, outlet on the internet was myspace and so it was like we had a myspace and we're trying to like and so yeah you're not making any money doing it that way uh, but if you have merch like you said and you're able to get some guarantees to keep yourself afloat the money that you're actually making your income for the band is is in your merch sales your shirts yeah. your cds whatever it is you know stuff like that so and even now we don't even print cds anymore our band we print vinyl because vinyl made a comeback and nobody wants to buy CDs anymore. And <laughs> with streaming service, it's like, why would they? I don't, but vinyl has made a comeback. So the only physical copy of the music you can get from us now is a record because I have them. Yeah, because other than that, they're good. They're you good. Can just, you can just go online and listen to it like we all do. So it's almost kind of like the rarity or the coolness factor of being able to have that physical album, which we love. And a couple of guys in the band, a few guys love vinyl. And that was, but with CDs, it's like, dude, we have stacks of CDs that from old rec, old albums that we have that we bring to shows and stuff. And it's like, we still have boxes of CDs that were printed 10 years ago. You know what I mean? For like the first, second and third uh, album that were recorded that just nobody there's no reason to if you can just go on spotify you know yeah right, right. when i first met chris and we started talking behind the scenes i'm like well where can i physically go and buy your cd like i want or i want to buy that so you get the money he goes Dude, we don't make really any money off of it just go get it from apple music for free or something i'm like chris i want to physically own something yeah <laughs> He goes, I'll send you some vinyls. I'm like, no, you won't. And I, and I, as I'm talking to him, he goes, I'll send it for free. I'm like, no, you won't. <laughs> well, I told you I'm buying it. You can't argue. We sent you, we sent right. you Columbia with the book for this record as well because I yeah. want you to. He sent me the one that I wasn't able to buy because it wasn't there to yeah, buy. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like, like vinyl is expensive, right? So it's almost like, Hey, for those like like a Gary who are like, I want that. Like that's that's my thing. I want the vinyl. It's expensive to make vinyl. They're really expensive, right? And so you can only and, and then depending on the how much the run of you know, are you gonna do two hundred? Are you gonna do five hundred? Are you gonna do a thousand? It gets expensive. And so as a band, once again coming back to the DIY thing, if we're fitting the bill to press a bunch of vinyl. And then we can't get rid of it without that money. And we just have a stack of albums sitting in our garage. Right. And so it's like, it's, it's all a balance. And like, in the, like we talked about before, we had gotten those records printed for built for this and we were going to get merch and do the whole thing. And then obviously the COVID thing kicked in and, and kind of put the kibosh on that for everybody. But once we get back into the swing of things again, we'll get back on track again. We'll, we'll be back at shows, selling records, getting new new merch out there. I mean, that's that's what we do. So it's going to happen. Very cool. Very and cool. That, guys, <clears throat> go to Apple Music, Spotify, or whatever it is you download music. My Life in Black and White. At least the last two albums that I know Chris drummed on, those are what I have constantly playing when I'm working. 
great music. Amazing. Like, yeah, absolutely like, amazing. If you like that genre, you'll like it. And it's not harsh. Like, the vocals are just, I don't want to say they're soft, but they're enjoyable. Like, it's not something where, there's some songs where if you listen to it three times, I'm done. I've literally had both the albums on replay for hours upon hours upon hours. And if I'm right. live, one, some, lately, for whatever reason, if I play a song and I start going live on IG, it'll replay that same song over. It won't change songs even on Shuffle. So I've listened to Working Man like 100 times in a row. Or <laughs> <laughs> the wrong, There's a song about San Francisco or something. I can't remember the name of it. It's called San Francisco. Yeah. And then there's yeah. one about something about a girl in Baltimore. Like, I just love, listen, it's great music. Download it, it listen to it for free. Because even if you're not buying it, just listen to it. Because when these guys do hit it back, and if they ever do come to a town near you, you're going to want to check these guys out. I mean, they're on YouTube, sure. videos on YouTube. There's not a lot of new videos because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but the Working Man video is a good video. I've watched the yeah, it's in the tour, but uh, in the van, seen that one. Uh, the ones yeah, I are uh, are what bombs on Blair Mountain. Yeah, that was so. That's like an older song that was previously recorded by the the old drummer. But that's one of my favorite songs. That's the other thing that's kind of cool about coming into the van with three other records. Is like I can come in as a fan of some of the songs. Now it's a little bit different because I've been playing them for years and years. But like when right. I first joined, I'm like, this is sweet. I get to like play these songs and I like these songs because I like these guys. They're my friends. I like this band. So <laughs> Bombs That's on cool. Mountain is still one of my favorite songs yeah. ever. And it's one of my favorite songs to play every time we play that song. I love oh, it. That's cool, man. That's very cool. I enjoy, I enjoy it. It really just gets you going. I mean, it's, I listen to a lot, a lot today along with the working man. Yeah, it was like, like get, get ready for the day music. You know, yeah, it was just like sure. just energetic. You can listen to just like what Gary's saying. Just listen to it all day long. I, I I woke up this morning, put it on, went took my kid to work or to school, <laughs> wherever he's going, and then uh, I played it in the shower while I was you know I doing my thing, getting ready, getting yeah. ready. <laughs> awesome yeah, stuff. I think, I think the, the the fans that come out and watch us play, you can see that that it's. It's a band, you know. It's a it's a toe tapping band, man. It's a it's a it's punk rock band like that. There's it's Fun. fast pace, like it, you're not, you know. There are some people that like myself, just maybe in Gary stand back and listen and stuff. But for the most part, most people are rocking out, and 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 I think that's what makes it worthwhile too. Like, it's, it's not the style of punk rock. It's like real fast and just da, 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 da. it's like it's it's seriously. Like it's you, all of the above. There's some faster tempoed songs, yeah. meet mid tempo. The other thing about us too, you know, two things I'd say that that I don't want to say set us apart because lots of bands do this, but two things in our genre that are a little bit different that we do, not only with the acoustic and electric kind of feel together, is that we have a lot of harmonies. Everyone in the band is singing, right? So like right. there's three part harmonies, I sing backups, our uh, rhythm guitar player, our lead guitar player is an excellent singer. So there's lots of songs in there where we're singing three part harmonies and it's actually all three of us doing the same thing that we do when we play live. Like, I mean, I have a mic, we all have mics, like we're singing together. And another thing that's kind of cool, like with bombs on Blair mountain, you know, James, like you said, you like that song. Yeah. If you actually go and like read the lyrics or listen to the lyrics. One thing that I love about being in this band and Dylan's songwriting is he's a storyteller. 
he's really, really good at storytelling through song and music, which is difficult to do for some people. Like I'm not that kind of a songwriter. I might come up with some melodies. I might, like I said, come up with some arrangements. He's just good at it with the words and, and coming up with, you know, being able to kind of tell you a story from beginning to end in a two and a half minute or three minute song, you know, and it's pretty cool. And he writes about a lot of, you know, traveling and things he's done and places we've gone and being on the road and our families and all that kind of stuff. Or like uh, Dylan and Young, but in a punk rock, ska, Irish style, Amy. Like yeah. I, I love it, man. It's it's good stuff. I'm glad you're part of this. This is how fun, how absolutely fun. Andy had a guest on a couple weeks ago that I had never heard, but his name was Dusty Bow. Oh, Look yeah. him up, Chris. I think you'll like him. It's a different style of music than what you play, but as a musician, you know, musicians appreciate yeah. other musicians' work. I think you're really digging style. Cool. Um, yeah, we'll check that out. I was watching that episode. Today. He actually had his guitar and played live. So I know. That's cool. like right in the background. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's chilling in the background. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that was like a live concert. Yeah. Yeah. We need to have you back, maybe with Dylan. You need to get one of those drum boxes you sit on and you tap. You know what I'm talking about? The I have like one. The right I have you got one, right one? Yeah, it's called the Cajon. Yes. Yeah, like, there you go. And yeah. Dylan with his guitar. And yeah. we've done stuff like that too. Like if there's a venue that it doesn't really call for the full, the full blasting your face off with punk rock, but they still want, cause that's the cool thing about this band is it's a little, a little bit pliable with the acoustic thing that we can play. Some of those things slow down a little bit. Dylan's got the acoustic. I'm on the Cajon and the other guys are playing acoustic guitar and you can kind of folk it up a little bit more. So it's not so in your face. And we've done like rancid covers and stuff like that and other oh, things. Cool. And so, uh, and it, and just like in our own style of, of, of that way, which is, which is pretty fun to do. Cause if you're going to play a full bore rancid cover, you're just going to play it like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like we <laughs> <laughs> really want my life in black and white acoustic version back on the show at some point. We post that whatever, whatever we got to, because that's yeah. Andy's vision and Andy and James' vision for the show. And like this is the first official Tasty Licks show. Right. And it's only going to get bigger and better from here. We're not going to have all my crap behind me. Like, I had a camera issue, green screen, you saw. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, more professional. Um, <laughs> but we want to go, you know, with the food or the, the tours, everything we've talked about, we want your non-traditional musical interviews. Even if we include some songs, like Dusty – sang a few songs for us which was amazing um absolutely yeah we definitely i want you back i'm sure andy wants you back oh yeah james probably doesn't ever want to see you again just makes sense <laughs> that's never no, right. yeah that's more of a comment. i threw, I threw it up there like i think like like all the guests that we have like like at the end have just like a big old live stream like at the end yeah. of it and just kind of get everybody up together and if they want to play they want to play or whatever yeah, like, there you go Here's yeah. I love music. and I love music, man. The music is my. It, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say the studio that we have once we're all back to doing it again is it's got, you know, our computers set up and stuff where John does all the recording. And, and then it's got the whole big area with all the carpets and stuff where we have all of our stuff set up. And then we have this other kind of like a almost like a riser stage thing with a couch and stuff all wrapped around too. So it's like a full on, it's a, it would be the perfect area for us to be able to sit down, 
have, you know, talk about some stuff and then we could go, you know, over to the other area and play some stuff. We could do some acoustic yeah. stuff. We'd have a lot, we'd be able to set up more cameras in there and actually prepare to That'd do something awesome. like that. So we definitely yeah. have the means to be able to do that in the future for sure. And not, not too distant. Future. Our goal is just to get the introduction of my life in black and white. This is who they are because you could tell the story. You've been with the guys for, like you said, since 2012, right? So nine years, you, you know, their history. So we want everybody to figure out this is who, not just because I've been playing them pretty much anytime I go live. This is who the band is. This is who the drummer is. It's a real person. You can put the face to the music. You get the right. Right. Um, and then this is why you know what? If you can't play, you can't play. Like that. Who cares at this point? We wanted to get the exposure, and this is kind of Andy's and James. I say Andy's vision a lot just because I talk to him the most, James. So I apologize. When I talk to Andy, he's like, I want to talk to the bands who aren't Taylor Swift and Metallica. Everybody knows those. The guys who are just starting out, or maybe the Kind of, they've been around a while, not real known, but they've got an album coming out. Let's talk to right. these guys. Just even if it's two people watching, that's two more people that weren't going to watch yesterday. Yeah, right. And Absolutely. that's what I think we we were trying to do with with my life in black and white. Get your name out there, get some exposure. Absolutely. Right. Tour, yeah. Our viewers and friends are in all over the world, right? All over the country. Yeah, I mean, Andy's in Arizona, so he's more likely to see you than I am over here in Maryland. Um. You have to go out to Arizona, man. You're gonna have to go down. You're gonna have to come down. My parents live in Arizona. Theater would be a great place. Oh, right there, man. If you come out, let look me up, buddy. Before you, oh, yeah, when you come out, I'll we'll go, go out to dinner. We'll get some lobster rolls. We'll come up to Maryland, do some stuff over there. <laughs> That's right. I mean, Maryland's not a lobster roll place. Maybe some crab. Uh, I mean, we'll do. I mean, we can have lobster rolls, but it's not like I could tell you. I'm an Arizona boy. I'm 36 years. I lived in Arizona. I moved here. And kind of like maybe I don't know if you've had any of these kind of experiences, but I'm like I love Mexican food. That's just I'm, I oh, yeah. grew up an hour from the border of Mexico. I moved to the East Coast. Good luck finding good. Well, they have Mexican food, what they call Mexican food, but it's not Mexican food. <laughs> right. So good luck with that. Right. You know what's funny? Right. I transition this into a tour question. You're from the Pacific Northwest, so there's probably seafood is probably something you're big on and beer. So. When you tour these other places, how many times do you get disappointed? You're like, oh, I'm going to go grab some fish and chips. And it's like McDonald's flail fish and some french fries. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like your traditional is like not there. It's like what they do is not what you're. The best fish and chips I ever had was in Gig Harbor in uh, Washington. Yeah. Um, best fish and chips I've ever had. So oh, nice. obviously there's the seafood there. So what's your biggest food disappointment going on tour where you're like, Oh, I'm going to get this cause I'm craving it from home. And then it's like, Oh, it's an Oscar Mayer hot dog. Like what? what a- <laughs> so, it, in the States, it just depends on where you are. Right. Like, I mean, we have great Mexican food here too. I think all, all up the West coast, you're probably going to be able to find some, some pretty good Mexican food, but going back to like, let's say, for, I mean, again, touring in these States and touring in Europe, like we've talked about two very different things. Right. No Mexican food that I could find in Europe, like none. No. Oh, good burrito. luck. Maybe in Spain, like, but like we couldn't find anything. And so when I got home, like, I mean, I like authentic mes- Mexican food, so I want something good. But by the time I got home and I had my my now wife 
pick me up from the airport, I was like, we're going to Chipotle. Like, I don't even care <laughs> if it's Chipotle. I need rice, beans, chicken, salsa. I'm going to accumulate. That's the first thing I do when I go back to Arizona. I'm like, we're going to Filiberto's. I'm getting the greasiest, nastiest taco and burrito. Yeah. That's what I'm, what I'm like, I knew I couldn't go get, like, the genuine stuff. So I was like, I just need something that resembles, like, I mean, if Chipotle was closed, I would have gone to Taco Bell. I'm like, I need <laughs> something that resembles a taco because they're, and the food was good and it was, it was great. But after you're there for like three weeks or a month, you're just like, dude, like, I need that staple. So it just depends on like where you are. But Taco Bell reference is golden. I say all the time, I'm like, oh, the best Mexican food we have here is probably Taco Bell. And <laughs> that's not even Mexican food. No, that's it's how not. Bad it is here. That's horrible. I feel they have a tortilla, food. maybe. Yeah. It may not made not made by Nana, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we got some great Mexican restaurants around here too, and I lo- I lo- always have loved Mexican food. I really do. But so yeah, I guess it just depends on where you go. But if you're doing like a West Coast tour and you're going down to California and you're getting in like San yeah. Diego and stuff like that, you're gonna get you're, you're good. Baja. Like you're you're pretty set up. And most of the stuff that you're used to where you live here, they're gonna have there. So like within the states, it doesn't really happen all that much. I think more what happens is that you just like I said, you're traveling. And you just don't have time to like yeah. find the spots or go wherever unless you have some time off. Fast food wise, if you're touring the West Coast, if you got an In and Out, a Del Taco, Baja yeah. Rubio's, or Chipotle, you're good. Yeah, right. You're gonna eat well. You're yeah. not gonna find the mom and pop spots unless you're lucky to have one near your your venue. Yeah. But when you're playing places you've never been before, good luck, right? Like it's like, mm. and you always. You could, I mean, now especially too, you're like, okay, we're taking this route. We know that by the time we get to where we're going for the club, we're going to be passing, you know, these restaurants. So we'll stop. I mean, you, you, you know, you got to eat. You make it, you make it work. But yeah, when you're when you're out in different countries and stuff, like <laughs> you're not finding burritos in Slovakia. That's not. Something <laughs> well, just be honest. When you're when you're on tour, you're like, there's a Seven Eleven here, but if we go ten more miles, there's a quick trip. So just keep driving. Yeah, we're going to Quick Trip. Quick Trips are like... We're going to QT. <laughs> yeah. QT's, for the East Coast guys, James, QT's is like the um, Wawa on the sheets of the West Coast. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's where I go to go get my gas, and they have food there, too. But my wife is from uh, St. Louis area is where she grew up, and so whenever we go back to, like, Missouri, there's QT's there. It's like, if you go to, like, a Shell station, like a regular gas station with a little mini mart here and then you go to a qt that's like going to a super walmart compared to like yeah. a front station i was like man they got like everything <laughs> here this is crazy and yeah, we don't have qt here but we but here but we do have equivalents that are like got the little cafe we get all the hot fresh food and yeah. i love going to get the hot pretzel with the cheese i don't know why but that's my favorite thing to get from quick trip the pretzel and cheese that's it who doesn't want a pretzel with cheese i mean yeah and from a gas station, it's pretty dang good. Like, it's not <laughs> the worst. I would take that over a hot dog at a gas station any day. You probably every, time I go, every time I go to Wawa and get, like, a, I mean, I don't get pretzels at Wawa because it's they're, like, always rock freaking hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then, well, like, sandwiches. It's, yeah. Oh, the sandwiches? Oh, my God. You know why they call it Wawa, even though this is not music-related? Because there's, you know, there's like, a goose. The goose. Yeah, the goose. Because the goose goes, the goose on, on the actual logo yeah. too. The goose on the logo. Yeah. But that's why it's called Wawa because it's. Yeah. <laughs> you learn something new every day. The more you know. So if you ever come <laughs> to the East Coast, 
<laughs> East Coast, you'd be like, what gas station you want to go to? Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> All right. That makes sense. I like that. Just remember Goose. That's all you can remember. Or Geese. So, so James, we know we got we got to the time where it's time to find out what the man has made. What is it that you made this week, my friend? That we don't what get do you, to- what, you, what do you got? You got <laughs> what do you got? This is what I, I brought snacking food. So this is about snacking too. So I bought these organic garden veggie straw sea salt things that my wife bought. The biggest bag known to man. I don't know if you could, this is my face. This is how big these things are and I can't get rid of them. So I just keep trying to eat them everywhere I go because they're supposed to be healthy. They're James needs to make. They're okay. Like on Monday and then Overnight it or ship it to all of whoever's on the show. So we have his dessert. That's, That's what, what I'm need. saying. That's what I'm saying. At least the cookies. At least the cookies. There you go. If I so these are, uh, take for the these first are like, like some print. Oh. I love some print like chocolate. A peel peanut butter chocolate with like the uh little mini like Reese's. Tasty like chocolate chips. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. He makes good cookies. So James sent me these red velvet cookies. So it was like red velvet cheesecake. So it was red velvet and had like a cheesecake kind of icing feeling in the middle. But when you warmed it up just a little bit, dude, it was like slap your mama so good. <laughs> he's like the he's the number two cookie maker in the, the wow. beer world. If we're gonna go Mrs. to that, Bluegrass, yeah. Mrs. Bluegrass cookies. When they do charity auctions, we'll get four or five hundred dollars for a dozen you, of these. You cookies. told me about this. That's what I was wondering. If it it's was crazy. Good. It's crazy. I thought I had one on I so I did a charity thing for my grandson because it was like November and it's my grandson has Down syndrome. So we were doing yeah, Van, very cool kid. Um, so we did this chair and I was like, you know, everything's going about 50, 60 bucks, which is typical. Freaking two hundred dollars on bluegrass cookies. I'm like, no way, that's crazy. Awesome, very crazy, there's awesome. Maniac who keeps bidding way high in these cookies, yeah, and everybody. There's this, <laughs> there's this dude that he's a punk rock. He's a big punk rock fan, and yeah, he drives he those prices up. <laughs> I heard he's from Arizona, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of a big jerk sometimes. He has a lot of goddamn hats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see any hat changes today. Dude, I know. Look, look at that. He has a wardrobe change for every hour. He literally has a hat for every hour. So I have, I have a question. I don't know because we wanted to keep the show for an hour. We kind of yeah, went yeah. Over. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Two questions, Chris. What has been your most favorite band that you've played with? Like at a show, not for, but with, and what band would you love to play a show with? What, like, what's your dream? What's your favorite so far? And then what's your dream band to open up for the headline for like anything? Jeez, man, that's a hard question. <laughs> and number three, what band, if you can have any band call you right now saying, hey, Chris, we need a drummer tomorrow night, fly out here, boom. What band Great. is that gonna be? Great question. And what would give you a heart attack at two in the morning if you got a phone call saying, hey, we need you on a flight tonight to Ontario because you're opening, you're playing for us. Our drummer fell off the bus and broke his leg because he's silly. We need you, Chris. We, you're the man. We've got to have you. <laughs> Who's that thing? That's, that's oh, my God. Uh, I would say favorite band. 
Dead or alive, it don't matter. Favorite band that I played with um, at the time, because like I said, things have changed a lot, right? So at the time when I was younger, like I said, we had played a show with Taking Back Sunday. And that was like when their that that their hit album was like just starting to take off. So it was a packed show, tons of people there. Um, we played with like we played with like uh, you know when Finch was a really big band, we got to play with them. So uh, I think oh, cool. that and things have changed that we haven't really been able to play as the local opener for bands like that anymore. Plus, I was younger, so I was just like, this is my dream. I'm playing with like these cool bands that are you know on these labels that I like and stuff. So. I'd say I'd say probably you know Taking Back Sunday was a pretty fun band to play with back in the day many moons ago. Um, a band, so if a band, I think this it'd be the same. So one of my very favorite punk bands is Strung Out. So I don't know if you listen to Strung Out, they are. No, that's who you would like to play with in the future. Like if, if that's if, a band that if, if that play I would either you. want to play a show with. Yeah. Or if they said, hey, even if I got to play one song with them, that would be awesome because they're really, really good, super technical, drumming, fast, ripping band. I've listened to that band for 25 years, and I've just always loved that band since I was a kid. So, And I, I listened to them yesterday. Like I, I, I listen to that band all the time. So if you aren't familiar with with strung out listen to strung out they're an amazing amazing band and if you like a little bit of that metal yeah ripping guitar playing stuff in your punk rock listen to them because they're incredible and you answer two questions with one band so i got another question for you okay and i'm going to give an answer to this question as well what is the one band in any genre but one band that you think is the most underrated band that you would like to say to help maybe get some exposure to I'm gonna say one of my favorite underrated bands is Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Love those guys. Um, yeah, they have, they have one movie. hit that people probably know. Yeah. But what would what's a band that you want besides My Life in Black and White? Y'all go listen, go go. What would you say? You know what? Go check out this band. Hmm. We have access to obviously. We got to be able to find them somewhere. So I would say that the band that I had talked about before, who was some friends of ours on Fat Records. So Fat Records, as you know, mm -hmm. owned by Fat Mike, Fat Mike. no effects. Okay. So there's a gamut of bands that have been on that label or on that label from really popular punk bands that everybody yeah. knows, like no effects. Yeah, now flag wagon, you had tons of bands. Yeah. Tons of bands. Same with same with Epitaph. That's a great label. You know, awesome. lots of good bands on there, Bad Religion and, you know, Face Absolutely. to Face, and they've been on Fat Records. And anyway, so our our boys, my homeboys in Get Dead are a band that have worked their asses off for a really long time. And I there's there's kind of a funny story out there that Fat Mike from, from Fat Records said. He basically just signed them. He's like, they're not the greatest band in the world, uh, but I but he signed them because of just like, how kind of crazy they their singer Sam is and just how what kind of a crazy show they put on and they work their asses off and so as they, I think they've had their latest record that just mm -hmm. came out not too long ago might be their it's either their second or third record on Fat Records and uh, after listening to that you can tell they've just taken a huge leap in mm -hmm. their quality of their songwriting the professionalism are they punk rock they're a punk rock band yeah 
And I think that you, especially Gary, knowing what you like and what you listen to would really, really dig uh, their latest record. But they're a band that I, I think, you know, is just slowly but surely working their way. And they tore their asses off. I mean, these dudes have toured and they've toured all over the place. They've been to Europe multiple times. I think they've been to Japan. They've been to Australia. Like they, they work really, really hard. They, this is what they do. Um, and so they're, they're a band that I would always suggest people go check out, especially uh, with their new record, because it's really, really good. And they have taken leaps and bounds as a band. It makes sense that Fat Mike likes the guy because he's crazy. Because Fat Mike is crazy. He wears dresses. He dresses in drag for shows. And it's literally like his songs are kind of out there sometimes, very yeah. controversial. But that's what punk rock is. Like that's punk rocks are the 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 scrappers, the the loners, the guys who are just that's why he liked to survive. Yeah, you know? and that's yeah. They were like they were still that epitome of a punk rock band, even though a lot of the quote unquote punk bands weren't. You know, they weren't like you're not punk. Like they're a band where you're like, now that guy is punk. Like he's the kind of dude that'll get in a fight with some guy in a parking lot because he got too wasted and get knocked out and then get up and go play a show. And you want to know what's funny about that story? That actually happened. And I was there to witness it. Yeah. Those dudes. <laughs> so I, I'd have to stand back a little ways when I watch them do their thing. Cause they're nuts. And I am not like that at all. But, <laughs> but they're a band that has worked really, really hard to get where they are. And they're yeah, punk. Like you got like no effects and you got simple plan. Like there's a difference. You mean yeah. like no not got simple plan? They're great, but no effects is like the epitome of yes. punk rock. Like they don't do the big label stuff. They do it themselves. They started yeah. their own records. Family. They 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 do it for themselves. They do it for the people. They don't charge you a thousand bucks to come watch them play. Exactly. Mm. Oh, that's cool. I remember in the '80s. So I am an '80s kid. And 80s kids, punk was really big in England. And I lived over in England. And I remember the spiked hair and the black freaking dog chains and guys with freaking, like, they had the gloves with the freaking studs on them, the metal yep. studs on them. And they were ready to, they were ready to rock anybody all the time. Scary as, when I was a kid, I was scary. I was like, what's, who's that guy? cool as hell cool as freaking hell i want you know you always want to be that guy the guy with the big leather coat a lot of the nice guys too they are really honestly they are uh, guys aren't yeah no not at all you know what my so my uh <coughs> my stepson played in a couple bands and he's uh he's into uh what is the no drug no uh they do no drugs and they're a punk scene Straight edge. Yeah. So he's a straight edge or it was a straight edge or now he's not. But when he was younger, he was all straight edge and he would go to these bands and get beat up. Yeah, <laughs> he'd go to a venue and he'd be like, I was hanging on the rafters and I'm just like, holy crap. And you were playing bass. <laughs> what? <laughs> Those dudes still show up at our shows, man. Like all I've seen, you know, it's like my personality and who I am as an individual is can be completely different from the crowd of people that come to watch our band play. You know, it's just the, the yeah. mindset that people get into when they're going to a show and the kind of music that, that they listen to and stuff. And they, so we've gotten all sorts of different, you know, guys like sharps and, you know, the fricking the anti-Nazi guys, the, the, you know, we, we've seen like Nazi skinhead punk rock guys come to the show and then they're getting their asses kicked by the, 
by the straight edge guys and you know all this stuff it's just like you know to me i'm just like man i it's I, punk it's, rock right there well i get to i'm like i'm gonna go hide in the green room and then just let me know like <laughs> when we're on and i'm gonna i'll come out and play <laughs> that's right we're old now <laughs> okay right, guys well we're gonna wrap this up for tonight we've gone an extra half an hour i try to keep these down to an hour because uh you know just because <laughs> but um you know what i totally appreciate you coming on chris i think all no, of right. us have just had a freaking blast tonight and anybody who's watching this on replay thank you for watching and anybody watching tonight totally awesome chris Check thank you man this was thank a you, totally official guest on tasty lakes that's awesome. That's right. Thank you guys. And we hope to have you on again, my friend, no, with, some, with some music. We'll we, throw some we music in there next time. Out. Right on, man. Right on. We totally appreciate your time. Sure. Yeah. Any that last words, Chris? I just hope everybody stays healthy out there. We get through all this crap so we can get back to playing shows again, man. I miss it. I miss the venues being open. I miss seeing the fans playing music and all that stuff. So let's just hope that we can get through whatever we need to get through so we can get clubs back open again and get rocking. That's right. right. That's right. Any last words, G? Man, just stay healthy, stay real, and yeah, come back next week. Tasty Licks. This is the place. <laughs> That's right. That's right. James, what's going uh, on, buddy? What do you got going? Yeah. You got uh, any last I'm words, on, my uh, friend? Yeah. That was great to have you on, Chris. Uh, we'll definitely have to have you on uh, uh, again um, as well. Um, definitely enjoy listening to your guys' music, and uh, I mean, I look forward to seeing what you guys put out. Um, I'm definitely one of those crazies in the, in the in the shows as well. I do enjoy mosh mosh pits. So, oh yeah, I'll always be in cookies. <laughs> cookies and mosh pits. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you all for right. coming on in. And uh, again, Chris, what an awesome time to be able to explore your your experiences and talk with an awesome band. Again my life in black and white go check them out on any of your music listening apps uh, i found them this morning on apple music i know they're on spotify they're on everything go check them out amazing band up, we will be linking the bands that we talk to in their stuff too so you'll be able yeah. to get that information for sure i'll be linking them down below so if you catch this link down below to an awesome band we will talk to you later again. Thank you very much, Chris. And we Thanks, are guys. out of here. Rock you on, guys. guys.